Please pray with me. Holy Three in One, open up our minds and our hearts that we may receive your living word. Amen. Happy New Year. Today, Advent One, is the first Sunday of the church year. The church keeps time differently, not by tracking numbers on a calendar, but by marking seasons and days that draw us into the stories of God's work among us. In order to absorb the full implications of the Christmas event we are hurling toward, we need some preparation. This is what Advent is for. It might seem odd, but before we can truly celebrate the birth of God in the form of a human baby, on the first Sunday of Advent, we time travel toward the future, since, spoiler alert, Christ's first coming won't be the last. The reading appointed for today shines a light on the final coming of Christ, which is an event Jesus spoke about more than we might realize. Listen to these words from Matthew 24. But about that day and hour, no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. For as the days of Noah were, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing until the flood came and swept them all away. So too will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two will be in the field. One will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding meal together. One will be taken and one will be left. Keep awake, therefore, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God in us, and for the word of God among us. Thanks be to God. For a long time, I found these verses frightening. Maybe you do too. The first time I was exposed to the idea that Christ would return like a thief in the night, I was a middle schooler attending a Christian weekend camp. We were shown a movie titled, A Thief in the Night. I haven't seen this movie since I was 13 years old, but my big takeaway was that Jesus would one day return and spirit away all believers to heaven, leaving everyone else on this earth to suffer the consequences of not following him. The point, it seemed, was to scare us into belief, which never goes well. Belief based on fear has no legs to stand on when the going gets rough. Belief based on fear doesn't motivate us to live into our bigger selves. It keeps us small and defensive. I'm quite convinced God does not want to frighten us into devotion. But God does want us awake and ready for what is to come, despite how difficult it is to believe that the Son of Man will return and all that is wrong will be made right. Watchful expectancy is the posture God wants from us, not crouched defensiveness, for the fulfillment of the kingdom of God is on its way. Stay awake. Be alert. It is possible to be so excited for a coming something that we can't sleep. 
Our youngest daughter loved Christmas morning so much that her entire body would hum with energy on Christmas Eve. For years, every time I would check on her during the night, she would be lying there with her eyes wide open, body shaking, and a big smile on her face. Go to sleep, I would say. I can't, she would respond. She literally could not contain her joyous anticipation within that little body. She was on high alert, a self-designated keeper of the watch, because she knew what was on its way was good, and she didn't want to miss a minute of it. Sometimes our watchful expectancy comes naturally, and we have no choice but to succumb to the energy of our emotions. But it's also possible to be caught unaware. Sometimes we are unready for the thing that comes our way. A failed exam. A baby born before its due date. A death. If we had only known what was coming, we think, we would have been prepared. Despite our best efforts, there are some events we cannot predict. They catch us off guard, even though we have done our very best to remain in control. So it will be, Jesus says, with the coming of the Son of Man. No one knows the hour of his return, not the angels, not even the Son himself, but only God the Father. Just like in the days of Noah when people were eating and drinking and marrying, Christ will return. But Christ doesn't come like a flood to drown us. Christ comes to usher in the fullness of the kingdom of God. On that day, justice will roll down like a river, and righteousness will flow like an ever-flowing stream of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from our crying eyes. This kingdom come is not a threat to Christ's followers. The hallmark of God's kingdom is abundant life for all. We have nothing to fear here. But we are to remain fully awake to all the hope that is contained within this promise. And that looks like living in communion with God here and now. It looks like living righteously, a practice we all too often misunderstand. In God's kingdom, righteousness is not about looking religious. It is not about following certain rules or worshiping in a certain way. In God's kingdom, righteousness looks like caring for the poor, the orphan, and the widow. Righteousness looks like welcoming the stranger, befriending the outcast, and eating with sinners. Righteousness looks like depending on God for the truth of who we are and what we are worth. It looks like love that seeks the betterment of others. And it looks like challenging structures and systems that give a few people all the power. In short, righteousness looks like everything Jesus said and did for those who we all too often try to keep away from our carefully curated lives. My friend, the Reverend Tim Taylor asks, Will we fear the new kingdom because of what it will show up in our lives and the changes it will bring? Or will we be glad to fight alongside the invading army of Christ to extend Christ's rule across the earth? Before we can answer the question, we must remember that Christ rules as a servant who put the needs of others above his own. Christ's power is rooted in willing submission to God's goal of healing and wholeness for all of creation. 
It is very human to fear the new kingdom because of what it will show up in our lives and the changes it will bring. But if we can begin to trust that a day is coming when all that hurts and destroys will be banished from this earth, perhaps we will prepare for that day as we prepare for a delicious meal we have smelled cooking for hours. By setting the table in hopeful expectation of the feast that is to come. I know a woman whose baby was born 30 days early. Even though she somehow knew her baby would be born 30 days early, she still wasn't prepared for her birth. This mother has been incarcerated for five years, and though she's been doing the work of learning to live a sober life, she carries deep wounds from a history of abuse and poverty. She comes by her lack of preparation, honestly. If I were her, I wouldn't be prepared either. I know another woman who has come along beside her and pledged to be her sister's keeper. She has shown up for her time and time again at doctor's appointments. She's been relentless in her pursuit to help her secure safe, affordable housing. She's seen firsthand the barriers this mother faces, and she's decided to do what she can to make sure that this baby and mother have a chance to build a new life. This second woman the one who has chosen to be her sister's keeper, can only do so much. And she knows it. There are so many variables at play, from personal choice to systems and structures that continue to disadvantage the disadvantaged. But she also knows that we live in a world where God is present and active. In choosing to be her sister's keeper, this woman is not on her own. Sometimes we hesitate to get involved, because the problem seems so big and we feel so small. But time and time again, we are reminded through scripture that it is through the small things that God acts, lest we forget where all power comes from. Faith as tiny as a seed can move a mountain. The point here is not that our faith can move a mountain. It's that God asks us to put forth the little we have our five loaves and two fish, our speck of yeast, and then trust in God's ability to cause the whole creation to rise up into something new. We will not make the new creation. God will. Our job is to follow the Spirit's lead and engage in acts of justice and love and mercy. This is how we ready ourselves for Christ's return. But the thing is, no one gets ready for something they don't think will really happen. Some of you will remember Y2K, shorthand for the year 2000, when computer networks were predicted to wreak havoc in our world because they had not been built with the capacity to recognize a four-digit year. Some people prepared for this impending disaster because they were certain it was coming. One of my good friends filled her basement with water jugs, canned food, blankets, and flashlights. I was one of the people who did nothing. It was way too much work to prepare for something I didn't believe would actually happen. I didn't have the heart for it. Perhaps this is why Jesus' imagery is so vivid in these verses. Perhaps this is why these verses skew towards alarming and scary. If we didn't fear missing our 6 a.m. flight, would we wake up at oh dark 30? If we didn't fear not having a roof over our heads, we likely wouldn't show up for work every day. 
If we didn't fear death, we'd hardly give a moment's thought to how we live. Fear has a redemptive purpose when it motivates us to action that is necessary and good. The longer I peer into these verses, the less frightening they become. No, this scripture is no threat to Christ's disciples. It is a threat to the master of the house of fear. It is a threat to the master of the house of hatred. It is a threat to the master of the house of injustice and oppression. On the day of Christ's return, the fullness of God's kingdom will manifest as the walls of the house of evil come tumbling down once and for all. Finally, life will be lived on God's terms. Our job until then is to be fully awake to this reality by preparing for it, which also looks like participating in it. Two people are working in the field, but one knows something the other doesn't. Two are grinding at the mill, but one knows Christ will return. One knows that one day all of this pain will be healed, justice will be restored, and everyone and everything will be made whole. It's time to be the people who know. Second Presbyterian, finding direction by following Jesus. Jesus.